well, thank you so much for for doing this. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. I've I've no I've no idea what's gonna happen over the next hour or so. I'm just I'm just gonna chat to you about your films and the films that you love and the films that you've already done, and maybe maybe it'll be a complete train wreck and maybe it will be something people are going to want to listen to. I asked you to give me a list of ten films which you have done. We're gonna talk about all those ten films. Yeah. There's going to be a bit of trivia. There's going to be a little bit of a game. Nothing too big. Um, game. Just five questions about those films. Um, then I'm going to ask you some questions about your love for filmmaking, um, your experiences at Met Film School, about your future, your ambitions in life, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm sure we can fill an hour like that. To start off, uh, the first two films on your list that I want to talk about um, are, on the one hand, it's it's The Kid, from Charlie Chaplin mm -hmm. and La Strada from Federico Fellini, mm -hmm. the 1954 one. Uh, let's start with Charlie Chaplin. It's the earliest one. It's the it's almost a hundred years old now. Yeah. Um, explain to us why it's on your list and what drew you to it. So why it's on my list? So basically, I think like all the films that are in this list are films that um, they um, moved me. In a way, and in yeah. a mo moved me in the way that like you don't forget it the time you watch it. You know, it stays with you. Like even you leave the cinema on you know the, your couch or whatever, it just stays with you that feeling or that sensation. But the kid, yeah. especially because the kid is such a, um, it's so dramatic in its sense. It's like you know, if you see all the chaplains, uh, and this is one of his first. Um, yeah, I think it's the. Yeah, he did like short films before, but this one was the one of the yeah. first one, the second one after the circus, and it's like ah, funny guy, funny guy, but after it just like surprise you of like the powerful of um, of uh, maybe maybe quickly explain what it's about. Yeah. Okay, so basically idea. it's a uh, it's about this guy who finds a, a baby in the street. He's a Trump, you know, uh, Chaplin is a Trump. He doesn't have any money. Barely has has a house. He finds this kid in the street. And he basically raises him, uh, gives him food and, you know, uh, he's <laughs> trying to make money with him as well uh, in a very dodgy way. And after, like, when the police find, because a like, woman abandoned on the street, when the police find him that um, he's having, taking care of a kid, which he shouldn't do, they take him away and uh, he does everything to get him back. That's all the story. Yeah, and um, and then he suddenly becomes like a carer for this kid that he found on the street, and yeah. he initially didn't even want, and he just kind of came across by accident, doesn't he? And then he kind of like just yeah, it's becomes the dad in a weird way. Yeah, exactly. He's he becomes and he feels that he's the dad. So that's very funny yeah. the way he meets the kid on yeah. in the street. But so mm -hmm. so so what what specifically about this film is it that you, that made you fall in love with it? Well, why this one? You know, I think of uh, I think the simplicity on um, how. Chaplin, I don't know, the moment when different moments is like it just uh, astonish you suddenly with these images yeah. and feeling that you don't don't expect really. You know, yeah. and after like I've I've Yeah, it's it's such a simple film, isn't it? It's got like it's got four like basically it's four cast members in it and and like it's it's I think it's six reels of film, it's an hour and eight minutes, no dialogue just visual storytelling and it's just it captures you doesn't it yeah and it's so old and if the story the way it's yeah. it's you know written in a way it's so natural and when it feels natural it's uh it feels modern you know when you watch it like oh this one could be actually made nowadays and it would still work 
You know, after yeah. I've read this biography, and you know, the the film takes place in his life after because he had a he had a kid who uh, he, he didn't have a kid, but while the wife was pregnant, the kid died. So yeah. he made this film after he lost his first uh, son. And it's, yeah, it's quite. He had, he had loads of children, didn't he? He had like 11 children. Yeah, he's a bit of like a that. guy who has a lot of. Uh... He was married four times and something like that. I, I did my homework today. I think he had like yeah, there is a bit controversy about, you know, he, he yeah. was 15, he married like a 19 years old. Yeah. But, uh... To be fair, this was at the time where he could have still won Oscars because he never did win Oscars because he fell out of. They didn't really like him over there too much, and this was like eight years before the first Oscars were given. But had there been Oscar awards, I'm sure. Yeah, is it he would have won some. Blamed for being communist or something like that. Exactly, because of his portrayal of, of political stuff. Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to go into politics in this podcast. Let's keep it clean. Let's move on to the next one. This is one I have. I mean, I've obviously heard of Fellini and, and his films, but I've not seen La Strada. Explain mm. to us what it's about and, and right. like why why you love it maybe first what is it about? yeah exactly it's more clear then um so basically i started it's about last it's main, means the street and it's about this girl who basically needs to find the job and the family moves uh, to uh, work with this um kind of street performer uh called zampano and she basically follow him as a you know as a shoulder during all these uh, street performances and it's about her basically uh Finding the love of being like a street artist, and it's all about um, you know uh, as a being an artist, but also like don't be alone because she falls in love with him. By she, for him, it's just uh, a girl that you know to um, use during his performances. And uh, what's what's actually I love about this film? It's I think the kind of um, poetry that Fellini Fellini puts in street artists. Um, and this, I don't know, I can't, can't forget, like, this, I don't know, this ending with these sounds of a, of a trumpet leaving the character alone on the beach. Just something powerful about, you know, Fellini is able to tell something with, like, nothing. And it, I don't know, it's... It's powerful, as it is. He won. He won. He won the Oscar um, for yeah. for foreign language films. Yeah. He won four of them, I think, in total. That's yeah. like he's super. He's one of those early Italian directors who made it to Hollywood. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm I'm definitely going to watch the film. You know, curious that uh, Walt Disney, when uh, Fellini won the Oscar for La Strada, he um, yeah. welcomed him in Disneyland, playing the sound of the film of the film the music from the film. So he has him, Fellini, walking in Disneyland with all people, like, uh, playing La Strada. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because it's about that's clowns. Amazing. It's about, you know, it's always about clowns for Fellini. And, you know, Disney had this kind of connection to those characters, probably. I suppose that's how the, these two films are, are linked a bit, in a way, isn't it? They're both about, like, street, people living on the street, people living from, I don't know, their, their you know, whatever they do. They basically don't really have a home. They have a very poor standards of living but they kind of make do in the world there's a certain romance to that that i that you're drawn to yeah yeah exactly i think that's what i that's what i love this kind of like uh i don't know poor poor poets or poor romantic you know like chaplin is trying to be as his own character is trying to be a romantic uh someone you know every time it's a girl it's kind of like telling poems to them but it's just poor he can't you know that's his life but he, he's inside yeah. that person 
Exactly. Okay, so next next little bit is the first trivia question for you, Andrea. I, I took my time to pick some out. Uh, some of them are going to be completely useless questions. Some of them are going to okay. be quite interesting ones. And the first one um, concerns the movie The Kid mm-hmm. that we just discussed, Charlie Chaplin, 1921. Anyone who hasn't seen it, highly recommend you go watch it. Yeah. Um, so the question is, at the time, the what was the budget of the kid was it more or less ooh. than two hundred thousand US dollars? All right, so ooh, this is a hard question. I knew that Chaplin like learned tons shit of money at the time, but uh, probably still less than two hundred. Yeah, or whatever you said, two hundred thousand. You said, yeah. yeah, probably less than that. Okay. It was a bit of a trick question. I I thought I th- I also thought it was going to be less. It's actually more. It was two hundred and fifty. Oh shit! I'll let you. I'll let you off the hook. I'll give you half a point though if you can, to the next million, guess how much it made at the box office. Oh my god! Uh, fuck! It's less than ten. It's less than ten million. I'll give you that. Oh god! Fucking hell! All right. So wait. Um... Because I know how much he earned in the certain times. I mean, probably must be like uh, three million. It's five. It's Fuck. five. I'll give you like a quarter point. You were you were in the right half. It's fine. Okay. Wow. Uh, um, it's a difficult one. It's a really difficult one. I mean, that film is ninety nine years old. You know, it's it's ridiculous. It's lots it of money. Out, yeah. I think it came out in February twenty nineteen twenty one. So yeah, lots of money. That it made lots of money that it cost at the time. Um, moving on, Andrea, your I want to talk about your love for filmmaking. You're a very, um, I mean, I've known you for two years now, and you're a very romantic. You're a romantic person when you approach filmmaking. Your films have that romantic touch to it. All your films that we're going to discuss throughout this this um, conversation are gonna. Most of them are going to have that certain romance to it. You're very heavily influenced by directors like Fellini and and Chaplin and and some of them that we're going to discuss later as well. Explain to me your childhood, your upbringing. Where did your love for filmmaking start? What is it? How has it shaped you? How has it influenced you? Where did you grow up, maybe, even? Because some people might not know you. So, basically, I think I understood it very clearly recently because you need to know who you are as as an artist, you know. Um, but uh, I always, I mean, always been into, I always watched films with my brother and my family, especially thanks to those guys cinema, basically that's the only thing I had. Um, and uh, I mean, always found myself into those films that really moved me and they stayed with me. But uh, so basically I studied, uh, I took aviation as an high school, you can study aviation in school. And uh, this is in Rome, yes. Just so people, who yeah, know, you, in, you grew up. I grew in up Rome. in Rome, yes. Um, so they, yeah, these are, uh, and you can decide what to study. And I studied aviation because I wanted to be a pilot um, or a, what a traffic controller. Um, so, so I, and I was like, of course, like flying, you know, clouds and all that stuff. Like the actual feeling of flying, it's incredible. I was amu- amused by the environment or whatever. But after, like, uh, I start keep watching film. I realized slowly that was I was more um, a passionate about wasn't the actual. Of course, it's it's beautiful the science behind flying, but actually the kind of the beauty of the aviation of the clouds, you know, 
all the weather and the lights. There is something, you know, more about like how poetic is the science of it. Okay. Okay. So it was it was always like the the you 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 saw like the the poetry with yeah the, yeah exactly. My I remember scientific. I used to do a school like newspapers and I used to write about uh, Miyazaki's films and how accurate they are uh, scientifically, you know, and how they yeah. you know he, his dad was an aviator and so he knows very well what he's talking about or what and how he draws it beautifully. Yeah. But uh, everything started when I watched uh, this point that poor society, because that poor yeah. society. Um, you know, it's kind of, I was a kid, I was at school and I was like, oh my God, I really wish I could have that teacher. But I was leaning forward for every single thing they were saying. It was saying all this, you know, he was, all Americans have all those poets from the, um, the romanticist, romanticist, romanticist area of, era of Americans. Yeah. And they are in the film and they said, and there is that line of Robin Williams says, those kids they are trying to study math and geometry and whatever and he says but art it's important you know it's important to be on because we have to feel and at one point i connected to it i want something snapped into it until okay. until the end when that film moved me so much that i remember still remember stand up after after sitting on the couch and decide yeah. from that point that's what i have to do I have to give the okay. same emotions that this film have gave to me, and that's what. Okay, I'm... so that so it was kind of like that. It was, but did you by that point when you watched it, did you know that you were you were drawn to the poetry and things, or was that kind of like the no. catalyst for it? No, I mean I didn't know that was about poetry, but I just had something snapped, you know, like uh, it's like a fire, and after yeah. you just back to yourself to um, give it more fuel to it. Yeah, and and okay. then it's just like they're not a coincidence or thing because I watched this film even before going to high school, and it just everything stumbled into it. Uh, I think, and okay, so and then from then on, you kind of knew that that's what you wanted to pursue, and you 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 started broadening your horizons in the film. Yeah, and after uh, I watched, you know, uh, I mean, thanks to Spielberg because I remember knowing different films, and after the first time, I realized that there was the same guy behind them. I was like, oh, what the fuck? Who is that guy? And after you realize, oh, what he does? Well, what does it mean? What? And it's just a slow process. But uh, I think, yeah, at the end, I don't know, I've always been amused by, that's why Fellini as well, it's something people can portray, makes you feel, actually. That's the thing, like, makes you feel things. Um, and that's the beauty of it, in a way. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's the beauty of art in general, isn't it? That you, you you just you observe something, and it just it does things to you emotionally. You know, it puts you in a place and makes you think. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's how um, it started, I think, and it you know it all came to life in a way. Cool. Okay, let's let's move on. You already touched upon it there. You you spoke about um, dead poets, and you spoke about Spiegelberg. The next two films. Yeah. Um, E.T. and Dead Poets. Let's go in order. Let's stick with E.T. Mm -hmm. Obviously a huge film. Um, 1982, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's the one with the, with the alien <laughs> who gets stuck on Earth. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I, I, I want to hear you talk about it in a second. It, mm -hmm. it's, 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 like I just said, it's a huge film, obviously. Everyone's seen it. Everyone loves it. I've rarely met people who say, oh, E.T. is kind of shit, kind of boring. <laughs> Such an original concept. Um, 
weirdly enough, when I did my research for it, like my Steven Spielberg had already done, he'd already done Sugarland Express, yeah. he'd done Jaws, yeah. he'd done Indiana Jones, yeah. along came E.T. and they only gave him ten million, a budget of ten million, which was quite surprising to me because it, it seems it seems quite low, you know, it seems, I don't know, but he got ten million. Apparently, the 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 puppet cost a million and a half to make, just like the E.T. puppet. <laughs> Uh, which I find quite interesting, the prosthetics and glass eyes, and they had four different ones, and spent for 1.5 million on that. Talk to me, mm-hmm. what is it about this film that everyone loves, that everyone knows, that you love so much? All right, so the story, as some hopefully everyone knows, it's about this kid who um, who stumbles into an alien, an alien, yeah, an alien, a creature, who uh, comes to Earth. And all, it's all about him trying to help him to go home, basically. Um, why I love it? Because I think this is like a film that resembles pure escapism, you know? When you, yeah, escaping. Yeah. Like, you watch it and you... I don't know, this is like, uh, this is Spielberg magic as a, you know, the wizard. He's literally buys you into this world and you just can't forget of everything else. I remember watching this film as a kid... And of course, I was a kid as well. So you really feel that kid. It's scary at one yeah. point. It's funny. Just like it's it's a journey. It's an adventure. But also it's poetic, you know. That's like a Spielberg touch, Hollywoodian touch of, you know, when, when at one point you're like, oh my God, I'm flying too. Maybe it's, it's the music. It's the image. You mix, you really feel what the character is feeling. It's, it's yeah. filmmaking 100%, you know. That's why I love it. <laughs> Yeah, the music is is quite. I, I'm not sure it's underrated, but it's it's certainly overlooked in the scape of it. They won the Oscar for it. They, I think they won four four Oscars: visual effects, sound effects, uh, sound also won one. Like it's John Williams doing the score, and it's it's magnificent, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's so it's so perfect once again. Yeah, truly. Okay. Um. Then moving on to the next one on your list, it's it's by the way it's the two it's the two directors that have two entries on your list of ten films. We'll get to that later. Yeah. The next one is Dead Poets Society. You've discussed it briefly yeah. earlier that saying that it's like the film that got you into filmmaking. Um, Peter Weir, nineteen eighty nine, a group of a group of of high school students who who have to study science in a very like uptight environment. And then they get this new teacher played by Robin Williams, who who teaches them about poetry and, and art and, and all that stuff. And they start to to realize that art is actually quite important and, and it revolves around that. There's a tragedy involved. I'm not going to spoil it for people who don't know it, um, but that's roughly what it's about. Um, explain to me your love. I mean, you've already discussed how how that was the film that made you fall in love with filmmaking, how that was the film that, that really got, that stirred something in you, that triggered something in you. Um, expand on that. How has how has Dead Poets maybe infiltrated your own way of making films? Yeah, so um, I think, like, uh, it's the thing of inspiring, you know. Um, Rob William is such a character that uh, it's constantly trying to inspire everyone and going along with them, you know, it's not—it's a cool teacher. So it's in—it's pushing people in a way. Even the guy who didn't give um, a hell of, you know, of uh, poetry and literature, start making poems for because he's—it's fun, you know. And I think like what I kind of like—I uh, got out of it 
it to be like this film that when people watch my film the only thing that want to do it's to want to make films you know inspire people to love cinema in a way and that's what i got yeah. out of it is like this guy peter we just made this it didn't also like let me fall in love with poetry itself but also for the film itself it's a film it's 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 this, the love that he has for cinema through literature, in a way. I don't know, it's, um, that's the thing that I got out of it. But also, what's, what's, uh, um, what I love mainly out of this film, it's, it's a story about a guy who basically finds the love for theatre. And uh, at one point, you know, of course the story, I don't, want, I don't know, should I spoil it? I don't know. No, let's not spoil it. We know, we know what we're I know, talking about. And, and at one point, all those kids, they, they figured out that their life and themselves, it's much more important of what everything else, you know, of everything else or what everyone says. And that, no, that's the, the quote of the film. It's like, make your life extraordinary. Oh, carpe diem, seize the day, you know, and there's the guy who's trying yeah. to get the girl and he's constantly repeating to himself, carpe diem, carpe diem, he's going to do whatever, what it's uncomfortable for him to do. And that's what's pushed the stories and all those kids. And if you apply that to life, it's like sometimes you really have to say, seize the day, carpe diem, you know. It's a life, I don't know, it's a, not a life, it's a life lesson first, but it's a lifestyle, a way of living, which I, I don't know, it's me. It took, I, that's where I got it from. It's kind of like, that's the film who taught me how to live. It put in that way, sounds very odd, but... No, no, no. I understand what you mean. It's it. Yeah, it's it. It it tells you something. It tells you a certain a certain way of life. Yeah. That that one adapts or one doesn't adapt. And we are lucky to have the choice, you know, because some characters in the film they don't have a choice, and then they get pressure from their parents. And in the case of the film, they get pressure from their parents, and some succumb to that pressure. Whereas we're privileged enough to get to decide Indeed. how we want to live our life. You know, so interesting stuff. Um, moving on. Um, from these two, there's another trivia question at this Ooh. point uh it's 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 connected to um et uh john williams won his third oscar for et mm-hmm. um the question is and this was in 1983 don't forget the question is how many oscars has john williams won since oh so it i think he's oh i know it's the guy with most nomination however i think so uh Oh, God, I have to count a bit. Okay. Um, okay. We've got, we got Star Wars. We've got um, E.T. We've got Joe's. We've got the violinist on the roof, I think. Uh, Bear in mind, though, those were those were before E.T. Uh, what? Those were before. Those those were already before E.T. Yeah, there are the after as well. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, so the question is, how many has he won since? Ah, since that. Okay, so oh yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh my god. Um, if I, five. He's only won one after easy. Oh yes. shit! I'm gonna yes. check it now. I was just as I was yeah. just as surprised as you. He's only won one, check it. and it's it's actually for the one that's next on the list, and we'll discuss it in a minute. That's the only he hasn't won an Oscar in the 21st century, and I was absolutely amazed when I found out he has like he's basically nominated every year, but he's never won one since oh, 1994. 
it's crazy, isn't it? Oh my god! I was I was so surprised. Yeah. Um, okay, moving oh, well. on. Moving on from that, we're 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 rolling into the nineties next. But let's uh, first um, take a little bit of a of a detour and chat about Met Film. We've been going to the same school mm. for the past two years. That's how we met. Um, and it's and it's one of those topics everyone at Met has an opinion on. Met most of us like to hate on Met. Most of us like to blast it a little bit. Um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to chat about the positive experiences mm. that you have made over the past two years at Met and, and as a result of Met Film School, be that, I don't know, projects outside, friendships that you forged, whatever may have come for it. Tell me about the last two years, what's been good? I mean, I think overall, it really it gave me confidence, you know, as a filmmaker to know, know knowing what I'm doing, which is, you know, one of the most important things that a filmmaker can gain. Uh, as also like yeah of course the mates and everyone around you know people who who knows gonna collaborate or do something you know or even chat about films which is the gods I was waiting to meet people and have discussions maybe I don't know fucking four hours about films <laughs> um, as also positive things yeah confident you know like everyone everyone as I I we did we did short films we did uh, we did we did make stuff you know uh, doesn't matter how good or not just like a very good practice practice to to do it yeah. depends how you they they do yes yeah, eh? it depends how you take uh, into those you know journeys you know if you take them seriously or not they can turn out well as they can turn out bad but. It's the learning process, and if it turns out good, good. If it's just you know, you're you're there for learn to learn, not to, you know, win an Oscar. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I always thought, you know. I mean, as much I always try to. Sometimes it's impossible to, but I always try to not hate Met too much. Yeah. Because I genuinely believe if you it it gives you what you invest. Yeah. You know, if you if you go there and treat it like a normal uni, then you're all like a bit yeah, not really interested. Yeah. But then, if you go and you 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 want to do something and you want to invest and you you are prepared to invest time and energy and and passion into it, then it can give you a lot. And I mean, you know, you just said it there. We 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 filmed a lot. They they promised us a practical filmmaking course, and that's what we got. You know, we filmed loads of stuff, good or bad, whatever it was. We we got through loads of loads of different things together that that definitely shaped us into filmmakers, or started to in some cases. Yeah, also like, you know, relationships, like people, you know, want to do certain things and, you know, who you can rely on and, you know, who knows what, how, but you're going to probably work with the same people for other, you know, for the rest of your life in terms of like projects because you can rely on them, which is the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, you'd hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on from Met, um, next two films on the list are so quite similar in a way again um that they both they play around in and around the same time the first one is schindler's list yeah. the second the second spielberg entry another one of those like huge spielberg blockbusters <laughs> of the late 20th century uh, such a sad story you know mm. like the the second world war setting a true story um, two things that always sell really well. Um, the next film as well is, is one of those examples. Second World War stories always fascinate. Um, you know, Jojo Rabbit, a recent example yeah. of a film that I know we both loved. Um, Schindler's List, they won seven Oscars for it, like Best Director, Best Picture, Best Writing, Cinematography. They won all the big ones, Art Direction, you yeah. know. Um, 
it's 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 another one of those epics you know plays in in, in mainly in, in in the concentration camp second world war um explain to us what what it was again this masterpiece the film that everyone likes why did why did it you know stand out for you i think how unexpected it was how unexpectedly serious it was, you know, you're used to, you know, like T.E.T., you're used to, like, Indiana Jones, and, you know, like, yeah. oh, let's go for a ride. And after, like, just hits you so much. You really feel what it's, like, like yeah. to be uh, unhumanized, you know, like, get ridden of all your yeah. human rights, the scene of, like, there's the scene of people so skinny, and it's like, it's a film, wait, it's non-documentary, oh, my God, and you start feeling it, you know? The use of, yeah. also, the Spielberg, of course, he took he wanted to grow like the kind of matureness to make it. Yeah, I think I think he he, he got first approached ten, like ten years before they made it, and yeah. he was like, "No, I'm not old enough yes. yet," and he had to grow yeah. into it. You know, he's in the film. It's crazy. Like one of yeah, yeah I, I, he's in, like, the, one of the people what, walking of out of the exactly. concentration camp. But exactly, he needed to feel it. But um, I was also like the way Spielberg tells this story. It's very um, oh my god, what's the word? Um, religious in a way it's like you can feel it that this guy is very close to uh you know the jewish he's also is jewish as well um yeah and the use of colors that it starts with the it starts in colors and after the candles while the while the, this family is praying fades out and becomes black and white and that's when it's like of course period blah 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 but also it pops out suddenly like out of nowhere in the middle of the film you're like oh my god now you feel, you feel, and you look at that thing. Like, I, won't, I won't, don't want to tell it, but you look at that thing like um, uh, Liam Neeson does, and you just feel the cruel. I don't know how brutal it was. Yeah, and it really. Yeah, it's really raw. Yeah, but you really feel the way, like you know, people scream. Yeah, actually, it's very raw. That's the feeling of it. That the black and white adds to it, but also about you know, there is always that kind of. Um, peacefulness that leaves you you know it's kind of like the end towards the end that builds up this love of this guy at the end safe life and those lives still alive thanks of him it's a massive yeah, homage, yeah it's, you know? it's a weirdly it's a weirdly it's a weirdly wholesome story in that like the, the, the main character is um, saves so many people's lives in such a gruesome environment you know it's such a yeah it's an epic of a someone who saved thousands or hundreds of thousands yeah yeah and it, it everything feels like it almost it doesn't feel like documentary but everything feels so real yeah and i think it's because like half the film is shot in handheld isn't it like the, yeah. which is unusual i think for spielberg yeah. as well doesn't he doesn't usually use lots of handheld shots but it's like everything in there it just be breathed with them the, the men got the permission to shoot the film in auschwitz in the real auschwitz like the one you see yeah. it's the real one you know it's and that just makes everything more yeah. real. Yeah, there are stories I've read on the internet of people like the extras, you know. When you're like in there, you have all the smoke and the fake uh, da, uh, the fake ashes, uh, like, like snow. Yeah. And, you know, even people were kind of like, uh, you know, uncomfortable you know, to, to be in those kind of locations, of course. But that's the feeling of the yeah. film, you know. That's when you watch the film. That's what you feel. You feel uncomfortable. That's exactly what you get. Yeah, I hear. I hear. He had to watch. He had to watch Seinfeld after the shoots while they were shooting it, to kind of like get out of the the headspace to cheer up a little bit because he would have gotten too depressed. Probably, yeah. Um, 
Anyway, from one Second World War film to another one. Yeah. The, this is a very different approach, I reckon, to to a, a film set in this environment. It's uh, Life is Beautiful, 1997, by Roberto Benigni. Am I pronouncing it? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it's 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 definitely Benigni's standout. He's only done like six films since I think directed two of them, and like I think that's the only. It's definitely his biggest film as yeah. well. Yeah. Um. Explain. I mean, it's it's again, it's the story of of of. Uh, I think it's Italian, right? They're 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 from yeah. Italy, and then they get caught up in in the realms of the Nazis, and they get deported, and they yeah. get to a concentration camp, and and the, the the main character tries to keep everyone's spirits going with like silly goofs and and trying to keep the mood, and and but then you do really, you kind of almost forget at times that you're in the concentration camp. Yeah, but it's a, it's a very romanticized way. Yeah. But then you don't forget. He puts it in these moments where. Yeah, you mean you you explain you explain what draws you to this? Yeah, well, the film it's about this guy is trying to uh, basically let not the, his son understand, you know, that what's happening of the, you know, the you know the the all the horrible stuff that's happening in the world. Uh, he's trying to mask it, but he's trying. We are we are the kids' point of view in this film. So well, of course, when the kid is present, because we are realize like you know how the dad is funny, you know, and we laugh w- with him. And uh, it's it's a it's a comedy, but it's a comedy set in a very uh, very specific time. And you know what's what's beautiful? I think it's that balance. You know, like like in the kid of the of that drama and comedy that's unexpectedly you know that laugh turns into into a tear in a way. And um, yeah, it's you know it's also uh, but we have to kind of spoil it in a way, but. Um, you kind of you of course you 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 build compassion for those characters and what they go through, and you know the dead and after what happens towards the end, and it's it's just sad, very sad. But it's one of those. It's kind of a relief that the film gives you. What makes you the film say at the end? It's like yeah, life is beautiful. That's the purpose of it. You know, despite yeah. the horrible stuff that these people have gone through at the end yes it's you know can laugh at it you can breathe you know it's that's yeah it's an interesting parallel between that and schindler's list they prefer very different ways of, of, of like showing the message yeah true spielberg does it in a much more realistic way and and but in a way they both have like there's light at the end of the tunnel or wherever there's a shadow there's also a light you know that's the kind of the message which is an interesting concept and it's portrayed very differently and, and both very successful and beautiful films to watch. Um, okay, let's let's move on to the next round of trivia. This is going to be an insanely difficult question. If you get it right, I'm going to award you like two points. Um, it, it concerns Life is Beautiful because okay. um, the interesting thing about this is that he actually won the Oscar for Best Actor, yeah. <laughs> but he also directed the film. Yeah. So he directed, um, it's, the, it's the second time someone directed themselves for an Oscar-winning performance. The question is, mm-hmm. who in the history of Oscars mm-hmm. was the other person Bastard. and what film? Bastard. Uh, oof. I, oh, fuck. I would say Charlie Chaplin. But he won an Oscar. So, that's a, you know what? That's a very good That's a very good shout. But he only won the honorary Oscar. Charlie no, because... Chaplin. It was... It was 
the yeah. first Oscar he ever got was for directing, acting, producing, got like for everything, you know? Yeah, it was like the Lifetime yeah. Award or whatever it's called, yeah. But uh, It's Laurence Olivier for Hamlet in 1948. Uh, I haven't seen the film, yeah, so I can't thinking. take, like, you know, I just I just thought that was an interesting piece of, of trivia because it it's quite rare, obviously, that people... Um, wow, just do wreck themselves and then win the Oscars. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of film trivia, film history there um, for the, all those Oscar fans out there. Um, it's very on. funny, like if you see the uh, the scene when he won, he wins the Oscar, he starts jumping in, in top of the seats, and it's like it's uh, basically in top of Spielberg. Spielberg's like, what is going on? This guy's going crazy. That's kind of Spielberg has won like four Oscars for best director, so he knows uh, what it's all about. Yeah, but anyway, I think I think four, maybe more, maybe more. Maybe I've got that wrong. Anyway, um, moving on, we've got, I mean, Corona allowing, we've got another four months at Met Film School. Mm-hmm. We're all going to leave in different directions. We're all going to do separate mm-hmm. things. What awaits you, Andrea? What are you? What are the next five, maybe ten years going to bring you? So, I mean, of course, like, everyone has been thinking about this <laughs> as the end of the school is coming up. But, um, I mean, ideally, making a feature would be the dream. So, like, time to write this feature and uh, hopefully, like, through connection, get it done somehow, you know. But uh, kind of, like, ideally, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think, I mean, like, as a filmmaker, like, I'm, I'm gaining passion of, like, have the ability to uh, tell stories which are not written by your hands. Um, so, um, you know, I would love to do this kind of, uh, yeah, directing in all the ways, even TV series, you know, like now are very different. Finally, like filmmakers that go to make TV, like good stuff out of it. Yeah. But uh, realistically speaking, like probably, you know, I would love to be like a, a production uh a production, a personal assistant to a director uh, or to okay. someone who can, you know, close enough to... Because at the end, like, I realized, I was talking with a, P- a DOP once, I was like, Andrea, he told me, like, you don't want to do these practical things. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of true. Uh, you know, kind of like be on set or move cameras and tripods, you know. Even though I love to help of making a film, of course. But... Um, more like trying to um, gain as much um, weight towards the you know the goal and that's one of the yeah and that's the diff met it's been very stupid not teaching us or t- let us know about um, directors production as uh, personal assi- uh, personal assistant uh, because it's actually a a, a a job and it's one it's a very good way to learn a lot being next to a you know a director and yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I love being an AD so much, because whoever you AD, you end up watching very closely. Yeah. You know? And I've I've seen so many of my friends direct in many different ways, and I've, I've always managed to pick something up, or even if it's something I shouldn't do, you know, I've always learned something from ADing people. It's very magical. But, um, but it's personal assistant it's different from assistant director that's the that's the difference of course it is of course it is but the, the, but the, I'm, I'm saying that you, you're close to the director you know you oh, see yeah. how they work you pick up things are you going to stay in London then are you going to stay in England yeah I'm going to stay in England I'm going to keep doing my extra job if I can keep doing them okay which is great okay. it's the best way to learn as well you know like see how they do things how they treat you yeah see the world see the world Absolutely. But uh, yeah, stay in London and you know, trying to make films, 
trying to yeah get jobs while you're making film <laughs> that's the, everyone's dream of obviously but uh, I think like you know what I realized it's like uh, like I don't know be be nice with others others will be nice with you you know be humble yeah, my, my, my rules for in the industry are always the same one rule number one work your absolute arsehole oh yes and number two don't be an arsehole yeah those are the two simple rules to make it in the film industry. You you heard it here first, yeah. kids. That's what it needs. Yeah, it's like okay, being humble on. in a way. Anyway, we exactly yeah. Be humble, work hard. That's it. Moving on, uh, we have four more films on the list. <laughs> the next two ones are again directors we've already had. Um, it's the first of all, it's the Truman Show, yeah. nineteen ninety eight. Again, Peter Weir, same person who directed uh, Dead Poet Society. A wonderful concept. It's one of my favorite films as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let try and let you do all the talking. Mm-hmm. Good morning, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. The famous quote, Jim Carrey, um, one of his standout performances, if not the standout performance. Explain to us, Andrea, what is this film? Why do you love it so much? All right. So the story is about Truman, this guy who is born into a TV studio that it's city size you know and it's all being controlled his own everyone is watching what it does it's a tv show like your life is a tv show and we follow this character main character of the tv show and uh, his journey of understanding that he's part of this show so you know we follow him through this background breakdown of who he is uh, and uh, what i love about this film so basic uh, first of all i want to like uh, specify that things I love of like that Poetry and Truman show directed by the same director it's that he puts comedians making dramas and that's something very odd you know and it's there is a bit of comedy but Jim Carrey brings that into it and it's you know it's very it's very funny and Jim Carrey and trying to escape his falls in love and that's you know I love it you know the resolution as in this film uh, why Truman wants to uh, wants to escape? It's just because of love, a matter of love, which is beautiful. Yeah, I think it's an interesting concept that you mentioned there of of putting comedic actors in serious roles. It kind of it kind of subverts your expectation as an audience, doesn't it? You expect something that's much more funny than it actually is, and you kind of also forgive it for being less funny yeah, but... and more serious because you kind of know the actors are, are a bit light-hearted or can do light-hearted stuff as well. Exactly. That's why I think those film, the film are famous, because that's the first time that those people really makes you cry, you know, uh, in terms of yeah. like dramas. But anyway, The Truman Show, um, of course, like, what a story. I mean, it's perfectly well-written, but Peter Weir sometimes... It's just the way he portrays moments, you know, sometimes it, it looks like a TV show, sometimes it's so intimate. And, you know, these this different point of views, of course, it plays as well with, you know, the cameras, use of cameras. But um, it's all this metaphoric, I think, uh, idea of life, which I which I love. Yeah. And this, like, Truman trying to, trying to get through who he is and, you know, what's this world and trying to... He can't forget about the his, uh, the eyes of the woman that he met, you know, and he does this kind of little collection of pieces of different magazines from models trying to recreate uh, her face. Yeah. Was, it's beautiful, you know, and there are like poetic moments, like you know, this ending of this guy walking on clouds. Basically, it's uh, it's powerful, you know. It yeah, it's powerful. 
there is there's always it's moments powerful, yeah. that I really you know that you, that's all those films I have here all those ten there that there are moments that you just cannot forget. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very, I just I just love the concept. You know, it's such an original idea. Someone who's like just born into this fake world of that he doesn't know is fake. You know, and then he figures it out and he tries to figure it. And out the way, the way and the way out. it starts, it's beautiful. Like it just a light drops from the sky. You know, yeah. And it's like, hold on, exactly. <laughs> and what is this? Um, okay, we have yeah. to move on. Yeah. We've only got fifteen minutes yeah. left. We have three more films to go through. Um, the next one on your list is the same year, actually. It's Saving Private Ryan, another Steven Spielberg epic. Yeah. Um, I, I did I did some research. Obviously, it's another film that most people know. Another film, I think it's World War Two, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I forgot Vin Diesel is in this. Yeah. Uh, for some reason. Well, that's how that's because that's, <laughs> um, that's how he got famous, Vin Diesel. Well, yeah, exactly. It's kind of his first like bigger role, bigger yeah. film. Um, and I, I, I searched this and I, I realized that uh, I heard that Steven Spielberg really wanted Matt Damon because he wanted like an unknown American actor, but then Goodwill Hunting happened and Matt Damon just skyrocketed into A-list celebrity yeah. and everyone knew who he was. So that kind of backfired. Um, so, so that bit of trivia aside, Saving Private Ryan, again, a war film, very much a war film. Um, as a war film as we know them, maybe less so as Schindler's List and Life is Beautiful are. Um, yeah, talk to us. Why? Why this one? I mean, like this one, I always, um, um, I always claim it for the directing achievements of it. I mean, of course, like it made me cry. All those films make me cry. So at the end, I cried. And this overall story of this journey of this guy who goes to remember the guy who saved his life during the war, which is like you know Captain Miller, the main uh, Tom Hanks. And yeah. how the way it starts and, you know, it starts, it's like it clo- this close up to the eyes and the eyes and, you know, story starts and did they, you know, 1942. Um, uh, um, and um, it's, you know, it's this, it's this epic movie. But what, what I love about this film, it's the way it's executed. You know, it's just like where you, you, just, you just feel what, what he's feeling so well um of course at that beginning like uh, most famous but through the overall story you know like in the, the germ having passion or not compassion or compassion for the germans and you know trying to be this guy who's just a teacher put into into you know this uh, madness this hell this confusion and bombs but um yeah it's very people like you know people a bit less sometimes like oh it's too corny it's very american but i just which it is, which yeah. it is, you know, we have, well, let's, let's be honest. Yeah, yes. people say, yeah. but that's what I love about it, you know. I love, I love, yeah. the, I love how sometimes Americans have this Cornish feeling, and it is very balanced respect to others, you know. It's this, uh, yeah. you know, of course they homage America to it, but um, it's the way, the way it's executed, that's what I stood out of me. That's when the first time I really like, oh my God, who directed this film? And I was like, who made it? Yeah. And that's when I found out. Steven Spielberg, but you know, when I was a kid, I couldn't forget. I like, I watched it, I think, on Sky Cinema, something like that. And I had this image of Tom Hanks in the helmets, and I spent, I think, five years of my life searching for the name of that film. You know, how strong the image was was in my mind, yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's how it is. I had that weirdly, weirdly, should mention that I had that with um, the latest, the new, the 2004. 
F. Gary Gray film, The Italian Job. Uh-huh. I watched it when I was like way too young for it. And it's not, you know, it's not a particularly good film. I mean, it's it's an entertaining enough film. I love it, but it's objectively speaking not a great film. But I had it in my mind the concept of them getting revenge and the cool heist, <laughs> and, you know, getting the guy back and all that. And I just I loved it. And I spent like at least ten years looking for it, and then I watched it again, and I realized it's actually not that great of a film. <laughs> but because it, it was in my head so much, I, I it has a special place in my heart forever, and I love it. And I I would rewatch it. I rewatch it when I'm ill. You know, it's that kind of film. And that's the film. <laughs> um, Okay, um, the next little bit of, of trivia All right. concerns Peter Weir, director of Truman Show right. and Dead Poets. Mm-hmm. Hasn't actually done that much since, yeah. although not, not that many big things, um, but that's not what I want to mm-hmm. ask. I want to ask you, what city and what country is Peter Weir from? I'll give you half a point for city and country. Uh, he's Australian, but... Bravo. The city at not uh, Sydney. <laughs> yes, well done. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was the most obvious answer. Bravo. Okay, yeah. I I gave you that one. Um, okay, He's... then then let's let's we already discussed the future uh, a bit, and we we you said feature film. Yeah. And you were working as a prefer- as a as a an assistant to director, as a personal assistant. Yeah. Um, blah, blah. maybe maybe let's 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 open it up a little bit and and talk about your your ambitions in in life in general mm. in 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 for the future you know living in London what are you what are you looking forward to growing old where you know you're, you're twenty four this year mm. it's the quarter life crisis everyone says what what are your what are the next things what are your what are your ambitions what are you scared of Discuss. Uh, my ambition would be like wake up in the morning, have an idea, go to the studio, let's make it. You know, <laughs> that's you know that's the that's the dream. However, a lot of things in the middle, you know. Um, but um, um, you know, like you know, I would love to, of course, you know, do have those ideas and just have the money to make them. And of course, the main thing is like be to show it to everyone, you know, and make it re- make it like. Help, help me to let people feel. Because that's what's all about the value, yeah. the the, uh, the production values are about. It's just to help the people to immerse themselves into it, you know. Yeah. And that's, all, that's, that's the trick of cinema, you know. Uh, and that's why we all ask for more money all the time. Um, but uh, what I'm scared, to be honest, you know, I always, I always think about in, you know, if, if when I forget all the maybe I didn't get to, you know, of course, I'm not going to make studios, but who, who knows, but, um, and I didn't get there, well, like, where well, I'm going to be, but I am, I am aware, I'm 100% sure that having the mentality that I have now, which is like, if, you know, if I am the poorest man on earth, what you, what you be doing, I would just be doing the same, you know? And if you, if you don't, I would just spend maybe, you know, if I have to spend my life as a waiter, to, and I'd rather spend my life to be a waiter and save enough money to make a film, you know? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just dedication. It's kind of a religion, you know? Uh, you just dedicate oh. 100% of yourself and your time and your life to it. And I'm sure that if you never, um, if you never give up to it, you always pay back somehow. Maybe you're going to end up as a, you know, uh, working somewhere or doing, you know, not great films or not great TV shows, you know, as a production assistant or whatever role. And 
still gonna be fine because maybe you're gonna you're still gonna be telling stories. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think I think you just have to love it, love it enough to don't doubt it. You know, I think. Well, you have my fingers crossed that that happens, <laughs> and you don't have to wait all your life just to make films. Um, we have we have before we finish, we have two yeah. more films. Uh, that we want to that I want to speak to you about. Um, one of them I've 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 seen bits of because you've showed me bits. Mm. It's also a nineteen ninety eight film. Again, Italian director Giuseppe Tornatore, yeah. uh, the Legend of nineteen hundred. The story um, of a boy who gets found on an ocean liner, and then grows into like this musical musical prodigy. Never sets foot on land, but entertains people on the ocean liner. Spends his whole life there. It's kind of told in flashbacks, I think. Yeah kind of switches back and forward um so so yeah i mean the the director giuseppe donato the only other thing he's done is like the or the the, the his most famous i reckon for cinema paradiso yeah. the 88 film but you picked this one yeah. explain so i think um first of all this is a tale you know it's such a such a tale that starts with that with a sound the film starts with this guy trying to it's like finds this old the vinyl player one of you know one of the first one you know when they first discover vinyl players you know you you it's like marked very weirdly shaped uh disc and it starts with this song and it's like this guy goes back in time in this journey these memories telling this story of this guy that might maybe exist or not throughout the film we don't know if it's real or not we just buy it you know and it, this legend of music, and you know what's the beautiful thing? Like it's also in this story, this guy never he doesn't want to sit uh, touch land because he knows. Yeah, he never sets foot. Yeah, and he says there's there is too much from for him, you know. The 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 ship the ship for him the boat it's uh, big enough already. Um, yeah, and and he falls in love with this girl in this um on, on the boat while she's going to to america and he basically uh in create this melody out of her beauty or how he's you know passionate about her somehow yeah and uh he he sacrifices even her love to keep living on this boat to stay on that ship. Yeah, yeah and you know that's the you know that's what i define it's kind of like poetic stories uh to me you know yeah it's another one it's a classic one of those like tragic po- poetic stories that that is what it is kind of yes you know, exactly it sounds very stupid but it, it it's just sometimes life doesn't go that way and sometimes that's still good you know and i think that's a common theme throughout all of these films that we've discussed maybe even including the next one um it, it's that you know it's, it, it's very it's very lifelike you know it's not the big bangs and the big yeah i always it's all, it, the core the core is always is always human behavior and human like there's human humans dealing with whatever whatever destiny whatever fates are being bestowed on them i always push people to watch this film because they and everyone enjoys it you know the first time i watched it was my music music teacher to show it to me <laughs> really yeah. at school you know you're watching those films that you watch at school uh, because it's about a musician it's tim roth you know exactly. it's the main character for people that don't, don't have seen that film uh but it's it's such a tale such a journey and it's so romantic yeah. on a ship and um it's 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 poetic they, they, but you know the way they uh people 
say things, you know. You know, sometimes we have films when they say certain phrase and the phrases like, oh, this is a bit too cheesy or a bit too, you know, written for that thing. But yeah, it just suits the feeling of the film and you just buy it. It does. I mean, in this case, in this case, definitely, yeah, from what I see. Um, okay, we have, I, I also, I have to tell this because I did research and I heard Tim Roth practice the piano for six months yeah. for this film just so he could fake it. He didn't actually play, he <laughs> just faked it. He practiced for six months just in order to fake it. I found that was pretty funny. Um, the next one is, for me, kind of, I mean, it's not the, the, the one that sticks out, but it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird one. Mm. It's also coincidentally the only one that you've picked between now and 1998. Yeah. <laughs> it's 2012. Stephen Chbosky, I think his uh, name is. He's actually yeah, a novelist. That, yeah. yeah, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Emma Watson's first post-Harry Potter major role. Um, two, two oddball, uh, two like high school, American high school. It's a setting in the 90s. Um, an, an odd kid gets kind of like taken under the wings of, of two cool kids. They kind of help him establish himself in, in the school. And um, it's this weird case of Chbosky, who, who was actually a novelist, even though he only wrote two books. He wrote the novel. He adapted the novel into a screenplay and he directed as well. So it's a very unusual yeah. um, thing, actually, for a director. Why this one? Why, out of all the films in the 21st century, did you pick this one? Uh, to be honest, I've, you know, this list that you heard now, it's, uh, it's been there since I watched those films. It's like, he hasn't, he hasn't changed since, uh, I don't know, 2012 or something like that. Uh, this one came in, uh, I think, two years ago or a year ago. Before that was Meet Joe Black. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like Death, Fall in yeah. Love. Um, the, the, the yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, it's just because I kind of like I got nostalgic of uh, of it in, uh, and yeah, put it in the list because it deserves it. But why? Because I think I just see myself into uh, this character probably. Of course, like the... the uh, if, if people haven't seen it, it's about this kid who is basically... Uh, he's a he's he's a writer. He wants to be a writer. He's a passion for writing, uh, but it's just going to too many troubles inside, and he f he kind of like goes through this journey in high school, and he discovers you know um, the beauty of life, of being a teenager, falling in love, and living. <laughs> Said in this way, but to say shortly, um, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's a coming of age. Yeah, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean it is by definition. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how they define it actually. Uh, and uh, yeah, just just reflect with the with this kid, you know, the way the way he sees the world, it's poetic as to his eyes because he's a poet inside, you know. When he's in that scene yeah. in into the tunnel, the way it's shot, the way it's it's his point of view, you know. Uh, yeah. And and it's poetic. It's. It's a very, it's a very wholesome little poetic. Yeah, poem, exactly. Absolutely. That's why I love it yeah. uh, because it has that feeling and it leaves you with that feeling. Yeah. Mainly. Lovely, lovely. One last question for trivia, um, and then we're done. Trivia. It concerns perks of being a wallflower. God. Which, which Avenger? And I know you don't really follow the Avengers too closely, but you all know this. Which Avenger cameos in Perks of Being a Wallflower? Uh, ooh. Okay, God take. <laughs> well, what, which scene is this now? All right, hold on. Um, ooh, I'm trying to go through the old characters. I, um, wait, give me a moment. 
Uh, I give you a clue. I think he plays one of the teachers. Oh yeah, the oh yeah, okay, the guy who does uh, Ant Man. What's his name? Exactly, Ant Man. Paul Rudd Paul is Rudd, in there. Yeah. He plays Mr. Anderson in the film. Exactly. Yeah. Ant Man is in Perks being a wallflower. Andrea, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. talking to you. Nice. Um, thank you so yeah, much. Let's stop recording at this point. We'll finish up the conversation offline. Thank you all for listening. If you've stuck through with us until this point, yeah. um, you, if you didn't hate it, we'll make another one. Um, and this was Andrea Di Bartolo. Thank you so much, yeah. and see you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>